Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Road or Football Show. I am Patrick Darty, joined by Danny Carter, Kyle Dvorak, Patrick Crane, as we get ready to preview the entire Week 9 slate. We're going to go in-depth on some of the week's most interesting games, including the Miami Dolphins at the Chicago Bears, the Arizona Cardinals hosting the Seattle Seahawks. At least I hope they are. I've been getting those wrong lately. We'll also touch on all of this week's hot-button fantasy players. But first, we're going to go back to a topic we've talked about many times. Have any of you – we're five games into the World Series – have any of you finally watched a baseball game this year? Five games? For real? <sighs> We're five games? I thought it was four. Well, well when people are listening to this, it's going to be five because tonight's game. I, th- five, I, thought it was, I thought it was two. We are live. We're live on Twitch. That's <laughs> true. We are live on Twitch. Uh, but yeah, game five of the World Series, Thursday evening. Astros still Berlin. cheating? They still do that? Uh, I tweeted the other night after they hit two early home runs. I tweeted the cans are trashing tonight, and the Astros fans were not happy. I guys, listen, listen. I I am not a baseball thought leader. I've tried to be. I I, I couldn't cut it. I, I will say this. I and and this might make Pat's head explode. I don't know. I don't get why that was considered cheating. What the Astros Ooh. did. What do you mean? What? <laughs> I, I don't care. I actually, I'm with Danny on this. Weren't they using cameras to like steal the? They were using pitch? secret cameras to steal the pitcher and catcher's side. Otherwise known as the television. About as clear cut as. No, it was actually they were not using TV. They actually were using secret cameras. They could have. Right, I well, think actually they do play it on a delay now. But up until recently, it wasn't on a delay. You could have cheated in that. Cheated in that way. Or the time the catcher dropped his like play sheet or whatever it would be called. And the base runner just picked it up and walked off as if that's cheating. Like, I'm sorry you use paper and pen to write down how you're going to beat us. Like, tough luck. <laughs> All right. Well, I backed down from that because I didn't know there were cameras involved. I thought it was just people banging on trash cans. I, so, all right, never mind. never mind. What did you think they were banging on trash cans for? <laughs> I, I thought th- I thought they were saying, okay, like we figured out their system and now we're going to bang on trash cans to tell I you see. what pitches come in. And well, I was like, what's the big deal? They did figure out their system <laughs> by illegally stealing. With illegal camera use. Oh, okay, all right. Yeah, no, they, sh- they should have been relegated then. At least I hope it was uh, illegal cameras. How are they already back in the World Series? They, they should have. They, the, the MLB should have ended the fran- the Astros franchise. Yeah. In that My game. friend tried to get the hashtag "Take the Ring" going. Yeah, yeah, no, no. Uh, you, you have to. You have to take that. You, you, you have, have to take to, the ring. Take, and the thing the is, point. they're using like physical hand signals, like sign language, to signal like pitches. Right? Not anymore. Actually, yeah, now they, they have a little buzzer com. or something, yeah. uh, like com. a little dog collar where you buzz him if he's been a bad boy. They use those now. <laughs> Well, I'm, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but the F1 world is is up in up in turmoil right now because Red Bull has been caught cheating as well. They uh, <laughs> they went over the budget cap. Now the budget cap was just recently installed, but they were over the budget cap in their championship winning season last year and this year, and it, barely any penalty. These these buttoned up Brits, they refuse to punish anyone. Brits <laughs> love financial crimes. They would never punish anyone. For they that. don't. Um, yeah. No, so I just want to be anything. clear. I've gone from what did the Astros do wrong to everybody on the Astros World Series team from that year should be in prison. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm, I, hey, this man is, is willing to change his mind. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, that's true. More people shockingly willing, in fact. Not flip flopping. No, it's this <laughs> new information. That's uh, real quick. These priors. So, because of all this, I'm a big baseball. I am rooting for the Philadelphia Phillies, but. I've been accused by the Phillies fans of costing them game four <laughs> because before game four, I tweeted Phillies country, let's ride. Oh, <laughs> no, dude. 
And many, many <laughs> Phillies fans were unhappy with oh. the tweet. All right. I Pat. put the bad Russell Mojo on them. Pat, you are also relegated. <laughs> I should. Yeah, it was it was a really, really, really irresponsible tweet. Um, I was in. I was at a stoplight driving in my parents to watch the game because I really like baseball, and I couldn't <laughs> help but tweet Phillies country, let's ride, and didn't really think about the ramifications of it. And we we're all paying the price today. Uh, yeah. Wow. Um, but now on to football, the only sport you guys care about, except for apparently F one. Um, uh, the only fun team in football, the Miami Dolphins, head on the road as five point favorites in Chicago. Crane, we'll talk about those Dolphins in a minute. But we must begin with the Bears, who sold on defense but added on offense at the trade deadline, acquiring Chase Claypool for the price of a second-round pick, forgetting the real-life implications like Claypool's upcoming need for a new contract. What does his acquisition mean for this Bears offense? Well, I think the real-life implications here are pretty interesting, not in terms of the, the contract stuff, but just real football. Uh, Claypool, he has not been good in terms of fantasy. He's not been good in terms of like his receiving uh, efficiency is just a 16% target rate. He has a 6.5 yards per target, which is very bad. He has 1.03 yards per outrun, which is the lowest amongst the Steelers' main receivers and also a very poor mark. But, like, weirdly, he's drawing a lot of defensive attention. This year, he's been double teamed on 29% of his routes among wide receivers with 200 plus routes. Trails only DK Metcalf, Cooper Cup, CD Lamb, Devontae Adams, and Jamar Chase in double team rate. So, I, I guess the defense thinks this guy's dangerous. So that could maybe open up some opportunity for Darnell Mooney. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe Cole Komet. I wouldn't be chancing Komet this week, I don't think. But I think maybe Mooney. The thing about Claypool is he has 0.94 yards per outrun against double teams, which is terrible. So you can take Claypool away. And teams have been taking him away. But I do, I do wonder if maybe this opens up the offense for Mooney, for Fields, and maybe generally, like maybe they're able to get the run game going a little bit more if, you know, teams are respecting the, the passing game more. I don't know. So that's, I think, a little bit interesting from like a real life perspective of how this this could help the Bears passing offense. I don't think Claypool will be super interesting on the Bears. It is. I probably all four of us think this is a positive for Darnell Mooney, right? Where we know sometimes it can be kind of easy to galaxy brain, like, well, actually, this guy coming in is good and not bad because he's going to be commanding targets. But I mean, Darnell Mooney defenses weren't accounting for Equiminius St. Brown or Dante Pettis. Like, this has to be good for Darnell Mooney. Right? Harry. Yeah, where there's someone the defense actually has to account for. Maybe he'll finally uh, have more space underneath and maybe some more space. Darnell Mooney can make big plays deep. Are we four for four, and this is good for Darnell Mooney? No. Oh, no, no. <laughs> wow. <laughs> oh, okay. It's such a small pie we're talking about, right? Like, Darnell Mooney has a big chunk of the pie. What is going on in Chicago is my question. <laughs> um, and and, uh, and now, now Claypool comes in and maybe takes, takes some of the pie. All right? So, the, no, so, so Mooney goes hungry. I don't know. I just I, – I, I think that it's probably not good for him. I, Karain's argument is – probably more convincing than mine, but, uh, well, no, it is always such a fine line. Like, is this guy going to hurt this guy's target opportunity? Or maybe even if he decreases Darnell Mooney's target share a little bit, they're higher quality targets. It is kind of hard to like suss all that stuff out. Right. And I mean, the bears have been dropping back more. Uh, so maybe that's the overarching good thing for, for Darnell. Darn I think Mooney. it's good for Darnell Mooney. I actually, I really do think it's good. I hope so. Kyle, I, I have them on a few. Kyle, what do you think? Cause we're, we're disagreeing here. What do you think? Kind of with Denny. I like more targets. To me, more targets equals good, and less targets equals bad. 
But what if he gets more targets because uh, he's open more? Everything yeah, uh, it's, it's possible. It's certainly possible. But your your Claypool stats are like he's actually not that good. Don't make me feel great about his ability to draw. <laughs> well, like yeah, he is being treated like Mapletron. Yeah, the basically. defense thinks he could be a problem if they don't account for him. Did you call him Mapletron? <laughs> Mapletron. Wasn't that his old nickname? Remember? Oh, no, I don't remember. No. You guys, you guys honestly don't remember that. I, re- I remember. It's from I the great, the great North. Uh, that's that's Canada. If you don't know, um, it's, a, it's another country. You I should, just think you're the first person to make. It. Just go to the, the North America Wikipedia, read up on the other countries in this continent, and you'll figure it out. I'm talking about like Alaska. <laughs> yeah, I am. Uh, boy, I bet Canada wishes that was part of uh, Canada, but we're America, so it's a, it's American. We'll just move on though. Denny, uh, Khalil Herbert encroaching ever further on David Montgomery's turf. Uh, the touches are almost even. Khalil Herbert's been out producing Montgomery on the ground three straight weeks. Montgomery, pretty sizable snap advantage soon. Just kind of what is the state of this backfield committee right now? Yeah, I mean, that that's the thing is that, you know, I, I thought that I would be able to tell a story where it's like, oh, Herbert has really eaten into Montgomery's snaps. Not the case, okay? Last week against Dallas, uh, Montgomery played 56 snaps to 22 snaps for Herbert. The thing is, though, if Herbert's in, he's getting the ball. He had 16 carries on 22 snaps, whereas Montgomery had 14 carries on his 56 snaps. Now, Herbert is not at all part of the of the passing game. Montgomery, last week against Dallas, ran a route on 20 of 31 dropbacks for Chicago. Herbert ran just three. Um, but over the past three games, the, the, the efficiency difference re- really shows itself here. Over the past three games, um, Montgomery has played a lot more, has out-touched Herbert, but... Um, doesn't have that many more expected fantasy points. He has 33 expected fantasy points over that span, whereas Herbert has 27 expected fantasy points. So I, I think that Herbert has made it so that Montgomery doesn't have that like RB1 upside on a, in, in any given week, and Herbert can be played, I think, as a reasonable flex in, in, uh, in deeper leagues. I, I, I will say that the Bears' predictable usage of Herbert, I, I feel like could come back to bite them and maybe him but we'll see i do have both inside the top 24 this week and i don't feel overly great about that but i think it's kind of it's kind of a six teams on by type of thing which you might hear us saying a lot in the show um but this both the floors feel fairly safe right now and and we like like the touch floor a little more for david montgomery but cleo herbert's floor is high enough where i feel like you can place a little bet on his ceiling and it's kind of like, do you want to play Michael Carter over these guys, Tyler Algier, A.J. Dillon, maybe against the Lions? It's kind of a tough scene. So I do have both in the top 24 this week. Um, do with that information what you will. That makes sense. Kyle, in the other backfield, we don't have a committee with Raheem Mostert right now. But do we expect new addition Jeff Wilson, who, again, I thought his addition at first was a joke. The Dolphins, I thought people were just joking on Twitter. And they actually did acquire <laughs> Jeff Wilson. Uh, will he remain mostly unchallenged, Raheem Mostert, or do we expect more of a committee to develop as the Dolphins maybe say maybe try to protect a player with a very extensive injury history in Raheem Mostert? Yeah, I would say based on how poorly Chase Edmonds is playing, and I don't think Chase Edmonds is a bad running back, but I do think he was a poor fit for the scheme they were trying to run. There's growing evidence that he's also a bad running back. He, he might be, but he's been he's looked good in the sort of limited sample we've seen uh, previously in Arizona. He's looked like a decent runner. I'm just saying what we saw, I mean, what we saw 
with the Dolphins was maybe the worst running back in the league by efficiency. I believe he was dead last in rushing yards over expected per attempt. And Jeff Wilson actually grades really well in that metric. And it's not like the Chase Edmonds scheme changing thing is going to affect him. He's going from the same scheme to the same scheme. So no, it was hard to do less than what Chase Edmonds was doing. And his usage showed that in those final four games, final four games with the Dolphins, he had one game over five carries. So they weren't using him. And now they're getting a running back who's proven to be efficient in this context. I don't think it will be that much of a committee, but I, I do think Jeff Wilson will eat into the workload more than Chase Edmonds was doing. Before we move on from this game, does anyone have any new trends of the Dolphins passing attack or is this just remaining Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, kind of an occasional Mike Jacecki pop-up game? Maybe is Mike Jacecki kind of getting like the Dawson Knox zone at this point where no. very low floor but could score touchdowns in high-scoring offense? Crane is shaking his head no. No, his snaps were down and his routes were down last week. And you saw not just Durham Smythe getting some work, but Hunter Long mixing in as well. So they're, they're, he's down to a part-time player, kind of a, a touchdown dart throw, I think. Uh, as far as trends go, there was an interesting tweet from NFL Next Gen mentioning that, um, that over the middle of the field completions – for uh, for quarterbacks that Tua Tagovailoa has 32 over the middle completions of 10 plus yards, 10 plus air yards, and that's twice as many as Tom Brady and Lamar Jackson and Joe Burrow, who are tied for second. So it's kind of yeah, it's it's been kind of interesting to think about like how this offense is schemed. You know that they're able to get Tua uh, throwing to Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Tyreek Hill has 16 of these completions. Waddle has 15. Um, so it's, it's pretty exciting. Like the way they're kind of able to get these guys open over the middle of the field, double teams have not been working to take these guys away. They're both just like super efficient, almost no matter, almost no matter what the defense does. It's ripping holes in the heart of the defense. Uh, Mike McDaniel might be a good coach. Um, it's kind of what we're learning. I think that is, that is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Well, Terry Kill said uh, a couple weeks ago, he said, this guy coaches like it's Madden. And uh, I think I think we're on to something there, folks. That's all we've ever wanted. That's all I've ever wanted. This is it. This is the pinnacle. It only gets worse from here. It really does all go downhill. And it is going downhill for all 31 other NFL teams who just no longer score touchdowns. It's really, really <laughs> quite depressing. The Packers and Lions continue to disappoint in their own unique ways, Kyle. What do fantasy managers need to know about this 49-and-a-half total affair, one where the Pack are three-and-a-half-point road favorites? Yeah, talk about teams that don't score touchdowns. Packers have entered the chat. I mean, oh, this team is brutal. But I will side with Vegas and say that, like, in a in a matchup with, I think, almost easily the worst defense in the NFL, not qualming with them being the worst, but it's just the gap between them and the 31st team that's really the decision maker here. Alan Zard looks like he'll be coming back. It's a really good spot for him. He ranks 13th in yards per route run against man. The Lions are top five in man cover rate, though they've been trending a little more zone lately. I, I really don't care what they're doing. It's more about who they're trotting out and Alan Lazard facing them is exciting. After that lions are they're dead last in EPA per play. And the gap between them is nearly the same as the between them and 31 is uh, nearly the same as them 31 versus 24. I think so. They are truly bottom feeders. Last time, Aaron Jones, who last week saw 24 touches was in 2019. He has near 20 carries for the second time in the past two and a half seasons. I think we're teetering on the edge of being done with the AJ Dillon experiment. And last week was not a good week for them, but they still chose to fully ride out with Aaron Jones. So I, 
we're not done seeing AJ Dillon, but I do think we are done with it being a 50-50 committee. I think we're going back to full-time Aaron Jones getting at least half, if not closer to two-thirds of the carries and plenty of targets. So you're starting him, you're starting Alan Lazard. I guess we're back starting Aaron Rodgers too. Vegas is telling you this, this game looks like it should actually be the, is it like the first good Packers game this year? It might be. So that's a, you know, I, I wouldn't probably dig too deeper than that. Robert Tunyon, a perfectly fine streamer as well. Other side of the ball, I like, you know, I, I believe Dan Campbell came out and straight up said it. DeAndre Swift, not fully healthy yet. He didn't practice to open the week. I think he returned to practice on Thursday. He led the team in snaps last week, which was kind of exciting, but he only turned that into five carries, five catches. Williams led the backfield with 13 touches. Packers have been terrible against the run, but I'm not sure how much DeAndre Swift running we see. They're going to split him between passing downs and rushing work. Jamal Williams has been the true running threat on this team as far as usage goes. So, I mean, I guess Jamal Williams, if he's going to get a dozen carries, maybe they're not massive underdogs versus one of the league's worst run defenses. He's going to be ranked right behind if like you could you could convince me that you could rank him ahead of DeAndre Swift. And I love Swift, but the usage just hasn't been there for like over a month. Yeah, sadly, I actually have Jamal Williams ahead of DeAndre Swift, just for basically every reason you laid out and just expecting greater raw volume against the Packers run defense that is just still not good at all. And Karen, I'll get to you some bit. Kyle, too, you mentioned A.J. Dillon also. I agree with your take that he's probably being phased out finally, but maybe not the best week for that take to like come to fruition. Yeah. Because of how bad this Lions run defense is. Yeah, they could run 30 times, and even if he only gets – he gets, you know, less than half, that's still 13 or 14 carries against uh, a terrible pass defense, which masks the fact that they're also a terrible run defense. Crane, sorry, you were going to say something. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'd push back on the Swift stuff a little bit. Um, they, Please they, do, they came out. I will go bankrupt. <laughs> they came out and said last week after the game uh, – would have been nice to know this before the game, uh, <laughs> given that, you know, Swift is a pretty popular DFS play – that he wasn't fully healthy and uh, he had, he had only 28% of the Lions carries, um, but he was playing a lot, 54% of the snaps. He had a 16% target share. So to me, like, yes, Jamal Williams is definitely in play. He could get in the end zone. He got in the end zone twice last week. Uh, this is a terrible pack. All matters. Sticky. Also touchdowns, very sticky. They're very sticky, very predictable. Uh, But I think, you know, 29th in EPA allowed per rush, the Packers are. So, you could see Swift ripping off some big plays here. And, Jeez. you know, it's the same It's the same bet as always with Swift. There's more risk that he will have, like, a limited workload. But the fact that he led them in snaps, I think, is encouraging. I covered that game, and he looked he looked fine to me. Like, I, I don't know what they were talking about in terms of him not being healthy. He looked like, you know, kind of, he looked like DeAndre Swift. So, uh, I'm not like – I guess it's a risky bet, but I'd, I'd be still betting on Swift over Williams. Uh on the Jones stuff, I think Jones is maybe set up for like a week winning type of week. Like he is, I mean, the, the Lions are so bad. They're 30th in EPL out per rush, 32nd in EPL out per drop back. The Packers are doing the exact same thing in every game. They play slow. They try to go for this efficient offense. They, they run first offense this year. It hasn't really worked, but I think it could work this week against the Lions. I think it could look like kind of a vintage Packers performance. And uh, Aaron Jones had a 30% target share two weeks ago. 18% last week. That's 25% over his last two weeks. That would lead the NFL, lead among running backs uh, over the course of the full season. A very strong sign they're trying to get him the ball. He's been really good second in success rate as a rusher this season. So it's not just like receiving back. He's been running really, really well. If the A.J. Dillon experiment is a little over, at least in terms of them being a true split, and they ride Aaron Jones here, I think he could he could absolutely crush 
Really, really, really. As someone who had almost universal redraft exposure to DeAndre Swift, um, listen, I'm, I'm having a fourth child in February. <laughs> I'm assuming that fourth kid would like a home. And uh, so, DeAndre, if you're listening, if you're listening, please, please start producing. Get healthy Campbell. soon, yeah. brother. Really, really quick. Any Aaron Rodgers DFS sickoing going on this week? Uh, I won't be sickoing. He'll be popular. Okay. Hell yeah. All right. Good. <laughs> wait, wait, Kyle. Do you think he'll be popular? Yeah, yeah. People, I mean, the Lions is, is the smash spot of all smash spots. Yeah. Uh, there you go. Aaron Rodgers is back. The road Play through MVP. the running game. Yeah. No, no. Oh, I road mean, to MVP3 starts here. I don't think... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Rodgers has a game with more than like 255 passing yards this year. Oh, no, he's bad. That's Led that's by... I'm sorry. I'm going to just walk over you. I'm going to say that's what the kids are calling bad chalk. That's all I'm saying. No, a lot of... Bad, some bad shock was given to my kids in Halloween, and it almost made them sick. <laughs> so, thankfully, they're okay. Led by weeks seven to eight MVP candidate PJ Walker, the Panthers arrive in Cincinnati as touchdown plus underdogs. Denny, what do the folks need to know about this potentially reviving Panthers team and the Jamar Chaseless Bengals? Yes. Uh, here's what you need to know about the Jamar Chaseless Bengals is that they stink. Um, well, I mean, it was one game. They stink. Uh, they, they they still can't. I mean, the, the main thing is they cannot protect Joe Burrow enough for him to, um, you know, deliver the sort of downfield stuff that that we want and slash need for T. Higgins, especially uh, last week. Let, let me break down the target share without Jamar Chase in the lineup against the Browns. Naturally, we had Joe Mixon leading mm-hmm. the team with a 26% target share. We had uh, T. Higgins at 18%, Boyd at 15%, and Hayden Hurst at 12%, just as we all predicted. So I, I, I do think we're going to see, you know, mostly intermediate type stuff, you know, um, and uh, teams are still playing two high safeties against the Bengals at a, at a really high clip, um, one of the highest in the league, um, with or without Chase, I guess, because they still they obviously still have Higgins, who's a, a downfield threat as well. You can confidently play Boyd and Higgins. I, I I would say the the increase in passing work for Joe Mixon, uh, even though he has been brutally inefficient throughout this season and really last season as well, and really the rest of all of his seasons, um, you know he uh, is it's a it's a good buffer. I think it's I think that sort of involvement is a good PPR buffer, especially. Um, for him not being able to get there on the ground outside of a you know a, a, a touchdown heavy day, so um, it's it's good good for him, not good for the team. That's that's kind of how how I see this. And on the other side of the ball, uh, you know you, you have uh, DJ Moore just dominating both air yards and targets over the past two weeks. Brings a tear to your eye. Yeah, I mean really. DJ Moore wants my future child to still be living alone. <laughs> I'm really I'm really worried about you and your family. <laughs> I just had to be honest. Um yeah, and and uh you know, so so I think that like I said, I think I said on this show last week that you could start DJ Moore as a wide receiver too, and not everybody agreed with me. I don't know what's going on in the show. I don't know. Question. Kyle this week almost we were talking about DJ Moore on Tuesday and he thought I was going to ask if he could be a wide receiver one. Kyle's like, yeah, no doubt. He's in the, I do have him like the wide receiver 16. You didn't say wide receiver one, but you said no doubt wide receiver two, even though it's only been two weeks. I totally agree with that. He's back in the yeah. top 18. Yeah. When you were cautiously saying, can I treat him as, and it might be a little point chasey, like the point chasiness would be calling him a top 10 option. You're like, you're safe to call him a, a wide receiver 22 or a wide receiver sure. 17. Exactly. 
Sure. Let me just say, I'm not surprised to see Mr. Fantasy Denny over here talking about DJ Moore <laughs> as if he had a good game. He lost him the game, Denny. He took off his helmet. Come on. <laughs> I will say, uh, That's good. really not quite sure why he did that. <laughs> that was uh, I, pretty well, costly. Rule, and doesn't the rule say you have to be on the field, though? And he took it off when he was off the field? No, I think it's anywhere like on like not on your sideline. But they and never call that anymore. They, they kind of do. It's a very very famous rule. No, of course it is, but they <laughs> they don't they don't call it unless it'll cost somebody the game, and then they're like, oh, yeah. all this. Well, of course yeah, you just totally. expect the, you expect the moronic kicker to just make the extra point. Um, it's a forty eight yard extra point. You ever man. thought about Did that? The guy's break. Extra point? That's seriously how long that extra. Well, point at least he made that penalty. field goal later. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not going to hold water for every scrub kicker off the street. Okay, uh, <laughs> sorry, Panthers kicker, sir. I have standards, <laughs> yeah, Denny. I hope you're just you're no longer the leader of the lobby. So I hope you're happy. I, I mean, um, I I based you know my entire fantasy career on uh, pumping up uh, Rodrigo Blankenship before he was cut. So I, you know, I don't. Have I will. Say, I think I will side with the real football lobby, and that maybe he should have just kept his helmet on. No, come on. I was doing a bit. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That um, was an incredible catch. The whole thing was silly. Oh. It was incredible. Why do you have to take off your helmet? Because <laughs> it was that incredible. I need to see your face. Why is that I, I penalty really anyway? I don't think it, it was seemed, a penalty. It I actually don't know why it's a penalty. That is the greater. Well, no, like, I think everyone should by the letter of the off. law, it's not a penalty. The action has to happen on the play of the field. Uh, no, it just, what, surprisingly, Panthers Wire is telling me it's not a penalty. Panthers I think it's part of you know these players. They would have more power if they if we knew what they look like. I think it's oh, all it's all. Big. No, I didn't. No, no, that's it. I, that's it. They, 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 the NFL does not want uh, the the audience to know what these guys' faces look like. They don't. Yeah, I don't yeah. like it. I don't like it. Take your helmets off all you want. That's the, right. Uh, Brett Favre used to do it all the time. Every time he threw a touchdown, he'd rip his helmet off, run around with the helmet <laughs> in his hand. Every time oh, he got pick six too. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Brett Favre also is famously fined for making the throat slash gesture. Oh yeah, um, yeah. But Zoomers <laughs> won't remember that there was a throat slashing controversy in the NFL. His only controversy, Brett Favre. Yeah, uh, I, I did want to make sense, or I did want to just before we move off of this game, Joe Mixon. Uh, to your point, Denny, on the target stuff, he saw a first read target on twenty percent of his routes in the Browns game, which crushed his season high of thirteen percent. Now, just one of seven running backs all season. In, to have a game where he saw five plus first read targets. So this was like very much a plan based on, I think based on the pressure that they knew Burrow was going to be under, you're going to see a pretty, the Panthers actually get pressure. So I think a, probably you would imagine the Bengals kind of treating this matchup somewhat similarly. Yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it, but Joe Mixon, I think is going to get a lot of work this week. The most disappointing team in football, the Los Angeles Chargers, arrive in Atlanta. Somewhat surprising three-point favorites. My editorializing, not anyone else on the staff. The Chargers will be missing Mike Williams and perhaps, well, probably likely Keenan Allen. Denny, we'll get to the Falcons in a minute. But is there reason to expect things to be better for the Bolts coming off their bye? Justin Herbert has only six touchdowns in five games since injuring his ribs in week two against the Chiefs. Yeah, I, I didn't like you tweeted that the other day, and I did not like that. I did not. Appreciate well, I tell you, who did not like that. I've always said there are not Chargers fans. I finally found them. <laughs> All twelve of them went after they you. Did actually go nuts and like, mm-hmm. why don't you mention his ribs? I'm like, so uh, why don't yeah. why don't you live in Los Angeles? Yeah, and I'm, I'm like, <laughs> uh, pretty accurate <laughs> point. 
I'm like, uh, I'm pretty sure most people know that. Like, I can't make every tweet the guy's like Wikipedia entry. Uh, yeah, he's got got ribs. They're hurt. So why, you know, why is he even playing? I mean, he's not healthy enough to throw touchdowns. That's that's a good question. Uh, but anyways, Denny, what do we need to know about? Can the Chargers stop making people openly weep? Well, look, uh, as someone who was tweeting about how just how bad the analytics say the Chargers are on offense, it's hard for me to be bullish here. But if they're ever going to do it, they're going to it's this week. It counts, folks, uh, against the against a truly, truly terrible Falcons defense. Uh, Pro football focus grades Atlanta's defense as a league's six worst, six worst coverage unit. I still didn't say it right. The single the single worst pass rush and rated 17th uh, in run defense. But it's not that the Falcons are necessarily like middling or okay at defending the run. Um, they're not. They allow the seventh highest EPA per rush. That's uh, the third highest EPA per rush over the past three weeks. And it, the the thing the thing the teams do is they shift to the pass. They like, like the Falcons have been a, a pass funnel for a lot of the season. The way that the Chargers have been passing it, not good, but – uh, lots lately. I think that we're going to see that again here. Um, I think it puts, you know, I mean, maybe, maybe if Herbert can, can accidentally throw a touchdown or two, that would be cool. Um, but I, I think it puts like, you know, volume wise, I think it makes Josh Palmer really interesting uh, because, you know, Keenan Allen is struggling again through a, a, a hamstring. Sounds Mike like Taylor. he's out just to be honest. Yeah. He, he's probably, he's, out. he's but, somehow, but the, you know, it was the classic. He, he, uh, he proved the point wrong that you always get healthier during your bye week where somehow his hamstring injury got worse. But the last time I, I thought he was out for sure, he played. So I don't know. Uh, Mike Williams is out for, well, is he on IR? I mean, he's out for a little while. Um, oh, yeah. He's, uh, I think he's on IR. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever. So, he, so, so, I mean, Josh Palmer comes in and I mean, I feel if he feels like a lock for like 10 or 12 targets in this kind of game environment. Um, it makes me very interested in him as a as like a wide receiver two three option. Yeah, people handing out on Halloween some of this Josh Palmer chalk to my kids. Yeah, so oh yeah, chalk sure. this week. Definitely chalking. Um, are we allowed to play him, or are we just is that too normy to play Josh Palmer in DFS this weekend? Oh wow! Oh, What's right. he priced at? What's the salary on DraftKings? Four I four K I think. Oof. I don't know. DFS article doesn't come out till tomorrow. You're asking too much. <laughs> Uh, it doesn't come out till about one o'clock tomorrow, and doesn't get written till about twelve forty-five. So, wow. Also, like- uh, over over the past three weeks, uh, Austin Eckler has the second highest target share in the league among running backs. So, lots of lots of targets are going to him, no matter what. Here, does anyone Austin have a data Eckler, point? I'm sorry, you go, Kareem. Well, I, was just, I normally I have selected a, a cover boy for the walkthrough uh, by this point, and I have not yet. But Austin Eckler uh, and Aaron Jones, I, th- yeah. I think, are my my finalists right now. I think I was, Austin Eckler could feast here. Is there anything going on behind Austin Eckler, by the way, or can we just continue to ignore the Sony Michelle, et cetera, merry-go-round? And if you have nothing to say on this, that is a valid answer, uh, all three of you. Uh, I mean, is it Sony Michelle? Uh, okay, yeah, that's good. No, we don't know. That's the point. Eckler doesn't seem to like – he hasn't scored inside the five yet, I don't think. So, But, but from the six, I think. I, okay. <laughs> yeah, so – 
maybe like if there's like carries at the one, but I, I think he's scoring from like the 25 in this game. This, this it is funny stinks. that Eckler gets punished. Uh, Eckler gets punished in like, in like, uh, you know, expected fantasy points because yeah. he turns a carry from the 27 <laughs> to a touchdown. Right. And you're like, well, unfortunately he's just not that good. Cause he doesn't have a lot of expected points. That's because he cashes in, you know, his, his red zone starts about 50 yard line. Right. So. Well, we didn't expect that Austin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good point. Doesn't count unless we expected it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Crane Denny said this time it counts, maybe with the Chargers. This time it count with Kyle Pitts, or this too much establishment for the Falcons ground game against a hellaciously bad Chargers run defense. I see a stat of the week hand up by a doesn't count. No, I don't have a stat of the week, but this time it does not count. Uh Kyle Pitts over the last two weeks, with here's some reasons to be excited. If we're gonna get excited, this is why. Target on 26% of his routes over the last two weeks. Drake London at just 13%. It is possible that the Falcons have decided, you know what, Pitts, a little more dangerous. We're going to have him as our number one option moving forward. It's also possible they were just attacking specific matchups. We could see that go back to Drake London. Drake London had previously been uh, dominating uh, in terms of his target rate. So, you know, this could, it's just all very fragile with the Falcons because even though we saw more passing attempts last week, that's because we just saw more plays. They went to overtime. They had a minus 14% pass rate of expected against the Falcon against the Panthers. They tied actually with the Panthers for the fourth lowest pass rate over expected of the week. Minus 14% is a very, very run heavy. So this is not like they didn't discover some new way of playing football last week. Like they were still the same old Falcons. The, uh, <laughs> the way I've been describing the chargers is that they are not a run funnel, but they're about to be because <laughs> they can't stop the run. The Falcons are going to go super run heavy against them. I think if you're worried, like the Falcons are going to go so run heavy. I'm not just worried about their passing game. I'm worried about the Chargers passing game. They're going to try to slow this game down, control the game. And I think they're going to be somewhat successful in doing that because the Chargers can't stop anyone on the ground. So I think the more interesting guy here maybe is, is Cordell Patterson. If we get him back this game, I still would be starting pits just because, you know, that trend in terms of the target rate is, is nice. It's, you know, tight end eligibility. Um, but I, I'm I'm willing to to kind of risk a very low score if I'm putting him in my lineup. Kyle's about to talk about Cordero Patterson and if he returns for the Falcons. But Crane, you just kind of hit on a point. Like, I, I'm frankly surprised the Chargers are favored in this game. Like, why are the Chargers favored in this game? I like, don't know. Man. What is the reason? Like, what is the Vegas reasoning? I mean, because they're always smarter than me. But why on I earth think are the Chargers favored in this game? The Chargers. They can put the game in a place where the Falcons can't reach it, right? Like they could, can they? they can get ahead. The Falcons can't, the Falcons can only score like a touchdown per like eight minutes, right? You know what I mean? Like they can't, they don't have another gear. So it's a very easy lose condition for the Falcons, which is go down two scores. Like exactly. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. That makes sense. That actually does make sense. And but yeah, I kind of agree with Denny. I just don't know if the Chargers can actually put a game out of reach right also, now. Also, this is at one o'clock Eastern time and they're yeah. playing in Atlanta. These guys are going to be half asleep. They, they, you know, <laughs> this, this is analytics, folks. They, 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 they're, West Coast teams can't play on the East Coast. Get no, out they of cannot. They just cannot. Listen, that's a football guy talking point. We're taking that one. <laughs> <laughs> the Seattle Seahawks did win a Super Bowl in New York City, by the way. Um well, no, but that, that game started at 7 o'clock at night. There goes your facts and logic. Yeah, it did, but still. Uh, no, not but still. No, 1 <laughs> o'clock is 10 a.m. on the West Coast. Those guys haven't even gotten up and eaten their fish tacos and surfed or whatever whatever they're <laughs> they doing. Surfed. They haven't surfed yet. 
That's a really Denny is right. You can't argue with that one. Yeah, body and, clock, man. That's uh, it actually it does c- come to fruition shockingly often, yeah. by the way. Oh, look so, at the Niners. The Niners with the Jimmy Garoppolo had sleepy eyes when they started that game. Like, it, it was like you know when you wake up and you're like swollen, you know. You can you always tell how, how Garoppolo's gonna play based on how handsome he looks that day. He's, he's always he's always incredibly handsome. Don't get me wrong, he was just a little <laughs> less handsome when he played the Falcons. Analytics. Kyle, yeah, Cordero Patterson has resumed practicing. We're not getting daily updates because he's still technically on injured reserve. Kind of seems like he's going to return. If he does return, what do we expect from this this Falcons backfield? Which have been a two-man committee with Tyler Algier and Caleb Huntley while Patterson was out. Yeah, I imagine it will still be a committee, not nearly as much as it has been because Patterson is clearly their best rusher. I mean, to Arthur Smith's credit, he does a lot of things that are un- sufferably infuriating but he has designed a really good run game like all three of the running backs patterson uh huntley and algier are all positive and rush yards over expected patterson leads the way in his top 15 in that metric the only problem is that you are relying on him getting there exclusively on the ground so because he, he doesn't do the fun Cordell patterson thing where he gets to play some wide receiver he gets to play a little bit of inline he's just playing running back less than 20 percent of his snaps have come out wide or in the slot but he's been a really efficient runner. So you're more okay with that than we were last year where he was really just getting rammed into like stuffed boxes, bottled up. At least the run game now has been incredibly efficient for everyone, him the most of them. So if he is back, we don't know, like you said, he's technically not off IR, he's designated. But if he is back, he should lead the backfield and carries. I mean, he's a career mostly wide receiver who has been banged up in the two seasons he's played running back. So I can't imagine you want to give him 20 plus carries a game, but he's been so efficient that you're more than happy with 12-15. Yeah, it would be really nice for Cordero to come back. He was, again, one of the early season's best storylines. Getting absolutely no love, reigning no, AFC number one seed Tennessee arrives in Kansas City as nearly two touchdown underdogs. Crane, tell the folks what they need to know about this game. Well, I mean, we don't really know right now what the deal is going to be a quarterback. Uh, Ryan Tannehill got in a limited practice Wednesday. I don't believe he practiced today, or at least he wasn't at the media portion so that's a problem because Malik Willis wasn't good wasn't good last week or it wasn't uh, allowed to be good I would say he was both oh, not good and yeah, not both. allowed to be good. yes I yeah, had that I think, game and both is correct okay yeah in terms of EPA per play third worst of any quarterback in a game all season uh he was behind only PJ Walker against the Rams and uh Matt Ryan in the shutout loss to the Jaguars in week two so I think you really do want Ryan Tannehill if, you know, if you're for some reason playing Bobby Trees, you definitely want Tannehill. I think, though, you want Tannehill, even if you're just sort of interested in this game being fun, uh, you know, to your point about them not letting Malik Willis succeed. They had a minus 36 percent pass rate over expected uh, that in, in my numbers, you have to go all the way back to uh, when the Patriots went super, super run heavy in that win game against the Bills. They, mm-hmm. I believe they tied them in the in pass rate over expected in that game. Three pass attempts that game. Yeah. You said they tied them? I think they tied them in that game, yeah. That's insane because, I mean, that game, had you had every right to say, we're not going to throw the football. Like It didn't look like people would be physically capable of doing such an act. This was a perfectly normal game for Malik Willis. Like, that's Yeah, insane. just a perfectly normal Normal game. Actually, no. They, sorry. That was minus 57%. <laughs> okay. So it didn't tie them. Still uncomfortably uh, close, though. You still shouldn't uncomfortably be within 20%. Close. Um, but, uh, and Kevin Cole mentioned that the other 
only other game that he had being like even in this realm of run heaviness was the Kendall Hinton at quarterback game for the Broncos. These are not good comps. I believe that was a 31 to nothing loss, maybe. Yeah. So this, I mean, this was like not football, basically. Like this, that's like how they were operating with Willis. So if Tannehill doesn't well, go, you say I mean, Derrick Henry had 46 more rushing yards than any other player in a game. This season. Yeah, it sounds like football to me. I don't know what you're watching, but certain kind of football, Pat, certain kind of football. And, you know, he's going to go for 200 yards against the Texans, no matter what. We now know that no matter literally, you know, me or Kyle could be out there. Derrick Henry would go for 200. Um, so, yeah, you don't have to worry about Henry. He's running back seven in breakaway yards per game. He's running back three in yards per route run, which is kind of wild, given that it's Derrick Henry. Um, he has the fifth most valuable workload in expected points this season. So, yeah, I, you don't need to worry about uh, Henry as far as Willis goes, I don't think. Although I, I still think he'd be better off if Tannehill was out there. But I think if Willis is out there, it's just going to make the whole game worse. Uh, we already have a lot of questions about the Chiefs. Now, Kelsey's locked in. Mahomes is second in EPA per play. Uh, he's locked in. But we're, we have Kadarius Tony in the mix now. I would expect that he'll be in a, in a limited role but in a way that's probably going to make things harder for the other wide receivers to get there. The guy I feel best about is Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, he's been very efficient. He has 2.09 yards per outrun, but that's driven by an 11.2 yards per target. That's over three yards higher than you'd expect for his shallow 7.5 ADOT. He has an unimpressive 19% target rate, 18% target share, 18% air yard share. So the volume for Juju has not been good. <laughs> this is the guy I feel best about, by the way. But when you at this point, like now that Tony's in the mix, we're worried about who's even playing. And one thing Juju has going for him is that he's actually been more efficient on the outside than in the slot, and he has been moved around. So, like, I feel like he's somewhat insulated in that if Tony's in the slot, Juju's still probably on the field, but you know he's on the outside and he's been pretty good there. So, and, and if Tony plays on the outside, Juju can obviously play out of the slot. So I think Juju's going to kind of do his normal thing. I think he's definitely going to face some negative regression coming up, but I'm not worried about him like not seeing as many snaps. I am worried about Miko Hardman, but I also Miko Hardman's had a high double team rate. I wonder if that helps, you know, keep him on the field if he's actually drawing coverage. He's not drawing targets, but if he's drawing coverage, maybe he stays out there a little more than we might think. And that could hurt MVS. You know, so I just don't really want to touch any of these wide receivers outside of Juju and the flex. Uh back the backfield's also a total mess. I think it's possible we see more Pacheco coming out of the bye, uh, but McKinnon's clearly their best back, so he's not going away. And I would be surprised if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was like fully benched. So three-way split in the backfield. I think you're kind of hoping for enough receptions from McKinnon to make him playable. You're not getting that most likely if we get Willis on the other side. So it's really just like a touchdown or bust bet on Pacheco. It's kind of like a weirdly kind of awful, awful offense for fantasy given how good Mahomes is playing. Pacheco closeout mode. It's all we can, a red-blooded American can hope for this weekend. Kyle, the Ravens turn their offense over, excuse me, Kyle, as the Ravens turn their offense over to the running game. The Saints are all in on Andy Dalton. What should fantasy managers be looking forward to in this game, up to and including a potential Kenyon Drake start? And while we were recording this podcast, it has been revealed Rashad Bateman done for the year with his foot injury. And Michael Thomas, who has not played a game, since the second Reagan administration headed back to injured reserve. So there has been some injury news. You're getting political. That's interesting. Sorry. 
Yeah, on the on the Saints, it's uh, pretty easy to narrow down who you care about. Chris Olave, a 26% target share and a 40% air yard share under Dalton. That was the same almost exactly as it was with Jameis Winston. He's just quarterback proof because he's a really strong number one receiver. So you're perfectly fine starting him as like a strong wide receiver too against a defense that has struggled to stop opposing passing attacks. Kamara, 26% target share under Andy Dalton. Also better than it was with Jameis Winston. It was still good with Winston, but hilariously, Jameis wasn't even accurate targeting Alvin Kamara on the short stuff. At least Dalton can get him that. And then Taysom Hill, we've seen a little bit of a pulse from Taysom Hill. He's been elite in terms of efficiency all year, but now the volume upticking too. In the past four games, he's averaging seven carries, one target, nearly one target. I think it's 0.8 and two pass attempts. And he wasn't doing much of the passing or the the catching passes. He was just running the ball. So if he's going to do a little bit of it all, tight end is just a nightmare. So I guess you can certainly play him as your starting tight end on the other side without now Rashad Bateman I'm a little concerned what it does to the offense Bateman was kind of lapping the rest of the team especially especially the receivers in terms of yards per route run he wasn't doing a ton for fantasy but he really did perfectly clear out deep and on a per route basis he was actually really efficient so you're not benching anyone because of you know you're not benching Mark Andrews because he's gonna have too much coverage or Lamar but you're a little bit concerned about the efficiency and that's if Mark Andrews plays Back-to-back DN, or not back-to-back, excuse me, that's on Monday. He started off the week with a DNP on Thursday. Got it. And I just think I would be very worried about Mark Andrews playing this game because the Ravens are going on bye in week 10, and the Ravens have been very bad at managing their players' health this year. But it would stand to reason they will hold Mark Andrews out this week and they'll let him heal through the week 10 bye. But I also have no faith that they will actually do that. Uh, yeah, on the off chance uh, Isaiah Likely's on your on your waiver wire, pick him up instantly. He should be 100% rostered for sure in 12-team leagues. Continuing to surprise the Seattle Seahawks head on the road against the Cardinals team, continuing to disappoint. Be that as it may, Kyle, the Cardinals are catching two points at home. There's interesting stuff going on with Arizona's receiver core, but we'll start with Seattle's. What can fantasy managers make of a situation where neither DK Metcalf nor Tyler Lockett seem particularly close to 100% health, but both are playing? Yeah, I mean, as a, a spreadsheet surfer, I would say uh, they, they saw 90 last week, 90% of the team's air yards, 54% of the targets, both top 17 PPR points with a touchdown to both Ledger. So I'm sure they are not 100% healthy. I'm actually, I was shocked DK Metcalf played last week. Like the first reports were like, thank God it wasn't season ending. And then he just played anyways and he scored. So, I mean, the offense per usual, at least the passing attack, ran exclusively through those two. And that tells me what I need to know, at least about playing them for fantasy purposes. And then, so, Denny, the Cardinals pass catchers, DeAndre Hopkins, just going totally nuclear since coming back two weeks ago. Uh, he had 10 catches both games. I know he's had over 10 targets both Correct, games. 10 catches both games, I think for the first time since 2015. Uh, what can we, can we, can we trust Zach Ertz still? He has a tight end absolute smash spot in this game. The Seahawks are allowing the most tight end fantasy points. You know, the total's near 50. Uh, but do you feel confident with any? I mean, I know Rondell Moore had a big game too in Week Eight. But do we feel confident with any non-DeAndre Hopkins pass catchers with the Cardinals? I mean, not really. I, I've seen the Zach Ertz is ranked really highly highly this week, and I and I get that because there are six teams on by. If folks didn't know, um, you're discovering it now just for, for the first time on a Thursday. Look, I so I understand that there's like not many people that you can rank above <laughs> Zach Ertz, but it's not great for him since DeAndre Hopkins returned to the lineup. Uh, Ertz has a 12% target share over those two games. Um, Seattle is like an okay uh, tight end matchup. They, they give up the ninth most tight end receptions, seven and a half tight end targets per game. 
They do um, allow the most tight end fantasy points, Denny. Um, yeah, I did see that. I did see that. I, I try not to get too bogged down in, in that because it's it, a lot of that's like touchdown dependence, whatever. Uh, but there's also like three good tight ends in the entire league. So yeah, if, if you happen to run into Travis Kelsey, Mark Andrews on your schedule, you will be the worst team against tight ends. It's a fair point. Yeah, and I, I uh, you know, I do, I do think you're playing Zach Ertz. You're not going to like pluck someone off the waiver wire and play over him. But like that 12 percent target share is pretty bleak. I think. Any any Rondell Moore love? Who Rondell seems like he's becoming the classic. When we're on him, he does nothing. Well, we're not on him. Catches. I, I mean, I I faded him last week because uh, he had played 80 percent on the outside the week before, and and he and he shifted back to the. The slot, and he did quite well, as you, as you would imagine, uh, against the Vikings. So, if we can get some rational coaching going on, some predictable rational coaching, which is a lot to ask for from Cliff Kingsbury, I get it. But if we get eighty percent, eighty percent slot share every week for for more, we're in business PPR wise. So, I was I was like a little bit less optimistic on Rondell Moore because he he played fifty two percent of his snaps in the slot last week, which is a lot more than the week before, but like well below the eighty something percent he had. Uh, two weeks ago, and then I was digging in the numbers. He has on non-screen routes, he has a 12% target rate when lined up outside. When he goes in the slot, he has a 12% target rate. So he's he's been the, like kind of the same. The thing is like how many screens he's getting. He's seen 31% of his targets on screens. So I think it's really up to Cliff how good of a, of a game he has because we just need him to call screen plays for Rondell Moore. Otherwise, he's having trouble earning targets no matter where he is. Uh, Having something up the cliff always makes me uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> and Danny, it sounds like you, you went with the process last week. And as usual, the process just did not go with you. But we <laughs> we can you can shout from the rooftop the process and it makes everything okay. It does, <laughs> especially true. with the Los Angeles Chargers. Crane will stick with you for a minute. Cardinals backfield. James Connor's practicing again. James Connor practices a lot though, and then he doesn't play because he apparently just like blew up his ribs like four weeks ago. We don't quite know what's going on in the Cardinals' backfield, but give us the lay of the land in the Cardinals' backfield. Yeah, the, I thought he was playing last week because he was practicing last week. So, you know, I guess uh, if you have Eno Benjamin, maybe you, you'll get another spot start out of him. It was interesting last week because we had uh, Daryl Williams playing 27% of the snaps and healthy, but Benjamin still had a really strong snap share, uh, over 75% of the snaps. So, you know, I think they clearly like Eno Benjamin. I think the advantage that Connor has and why I do think he'll have a significant role when he eventually returns uh, is, is pass blocking. Uh, he's ranked, he ranks running back seven in pass blocking grade uh, per PFF this year. You know, Benjamin is running back 29. And the thing about Benjamin, I've been comparing him to kind of like an Alexander Madison type. Like he's, he's a chunk play runner. He's decent as a receiver. He's not amazing. Um, but, he, you know, he's a versatile back, kind of do everything. If he's got the whole backfield to himself, he'll be productive. But I do worry about that pass blocking because if Benjamin is just sort of like a, a relief runner, he he's not like particularly explosive. He's, again, kind of more just a chunk play guy. So I'm worried that Connor might come back and take most of the high value stuff. Uh, so uh, it makes me it makes me definitely like if I have a better option at RB two instead of you know Benjamin with Connor in, I think I'd go with that. You know, do you consider James Connor an RB two if he's active? I would, uh, yeah. I think he's definitely like a boom bust type because I mean maybe you know There's this a whole boom? practice thing. The boom would be he scores a touchdown and he catches like four passes. 
Yeah, and there which go. I think is possible. It is possible. But you should, should be noted, uh, Daryl Williams on IR. So if I we was don't about get, to say yeah. hip injury. Yeah, if we don't get uh, James Conner, we saw a really strong split of uh, you know Benjamin versus Keontae Ingram, which we didn't see as much when Daryl Williams was back for the one game. Anything going on behind Ken Walker, by the way? Travis Homer seems to have swapped in for DJ Dallas as like the satellite number two back. Uh, no concern for our for our guy Ken Walker. He's right? a high snap share last last week for Ken Walker. Say no more. Denny Carter's New York Jets welcome the Buffalo Bills to New Jersey as 12, 11 and a half point road favorites. Denny, gave us, give us the lay of the land with your gangrene here. What's going on? Love my Jets, first and foremost. Uh, yeah, I mean, this is uh, this has blowout script written all over it. Not sure how the Jets can can avoid that. So it should be good, you know, volume-wise. We should get that inflated route running and inflated target share for or just raw targets, really, for Garrett Wilson, who's, who benefited from that sort of script last week against New England when Zach Wilson had to drop back 41 times against the Patriots. Obviously, that is Robert Sala uh, and the Jets' worst nightmare, the worst-case scenario uh, for any game. I, I see the same thing sort of un- unfolding here uh, against Buffalo. Uh, Wilson is Zach Wilson is completely unusable, I think, even in Superflex here i i actually i i think that so they bumped mike white up to qb2 the other day uh, over flacco um i think we're going to see some mike white in this game that's, that's, mm-hmm. that's, let's go man this love, is taking haterade to a new level here Denny. Oh, no 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 zach, zach wilson they, they look if they're serious about making the playoffs they cannot keep playing zach wilson so they, I, I think that they're going to come to that realization mike I, white is definitely better than zach wilson yeah 100 percent and and Flacco obviously is too, but uh, they're they're done with him. Josh Johnson's better than Zach. Josh Johnson. Guys, Josh Johnson would would take this team to the playoffs. Guys, this is some some children probably listen to this show. There might be at least one to two children who listen to this show. Um, there's uh, a <laughs> he throws he can't throw the ball out of bounds. Every time he tries to throw it away, it's intercepted. It, it is a problem. It is a large large problem. So the uh, the the Jets are actually uh, pretty good against the run. Uh, over let's see, since week four, they give up the fourth lowest EPA per rush. I think that the Bills will be happy to embrace a full-on uh, aerial onslaught against these Jets, and that's good. You know, for every so you're playing everybody in the passing game. I think Dawson Knox probably gets a boost. Uh, maybe even Isaiah McKenzie, who's been awful this year, I know, but. Um, yeah, I think you can you can play him here in twelve team leagues, six teams on a bye. I don't know if you guys heard uh, the the backfield for the Bills a little bit up in the air, obviously because Naheem Hines was traded to Buffalo uh, this this week. Then speaking of this time, it counts. Naheem Hines is going to be the pass catching back finally for the Buffalo yeah. So Bills. so this and this fulfills the 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 Bills long uh, you know long time need desire for a pass. Some catching some back. may say obsession. So they tried to sign J.D. McKissick, and McKissick said, no thanks. Um, He'd rather play for Daniel Snyder. They drafted, right, they drafted uh, uh, James Cook. They said, no thanks. And uh, and now they and, – and, and, and I mean, the James Cook thing's over already. He looks um, good. Right is weird. He looks really good. Look good. That's the he thing. He looks so good. Yeah, I mean, I've never watched him, but I hear he looks good. Um, and, and and then so Heinz comes in and I. Andy, I think, do you have do you have a, an analytic of what other people think when they've watched him that you study? 
Well, listen, when he's when I see the James Cook dots on the screen start to move back and forth, I'm like, oh, oh that, that's fast. That's a fast dot. That's a fast dot. You know, that's a hell of a dot. Um, and uh, so so I think Hines could if, if Hines comes in and becomes the pass catching back. I, I don't think that that's a great role in an offense that doesn't really throw it to running backs. 17 percent target share combined all of the running backs for the Bills mm. so far this season. That that makes Devin Singletary like unusable for fantasy. So. Rest in peace, Devin Singletary drafters. Except for this week, I think Devin Singletary actually will. Even <laughs> I think even the Bills are going to be running in the fourth quarter of this game, right? What are you no. talking about? And Naeem Hines, he's been there like four days. He's, if he doesn't get 20 touches, they hate it. <laughs> hey, oh, we're back to come that. Come on, man. Just, wait, he's wait, a running wait, back. Hey, run. you give him the ball. Running back, just put him out there. What do you think? going to run. <laughs> he, needs, he needs to learn how to run? <laughs> I mean, it really is true. I mean, just throwing the ball. He's going to know how to catch it. I mean, this isn't rocket science. Uh, been doing it since he was five years old, probably. Um, by the way, speaking of the Bills not checking down, instead of checking down to running backs, Josh Allen just rather expose his throwing shoulder to a massive hit every single time he should yeah, be checking down to a running back. Great. Can't help but feel our boys playing with fire. Josh, please protect your shoulder. And, yeah, the Bills – Again, like uh, he's had twice as long as Christian McCaffrey, by the way. Yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. Twice as no touches, excuse, too. no excuse for at least 25 touches <laughs> for Naheem Hines this week in his Bills debut. The Rams and Bucks meet up in Tampa Bay as two teams going in the wrong direction. The Bucks are three point home favorites. Denny Carter, I am begging. I actually am almost literally begging you to tell me that Tom Brady is headed for positive <laughs> touchdown regression this weekend. <laughs> I'm you starting to get worried about your family as well. <laughs> it's a long story, but uh, <laughs> need some Tom Brady tutties. I mean, I de- I'm deeply worried here. Uh, yeah, I mean, you would think so. I mean, the, the Bucks, even though they started the season really run heavy, especially for their standards, they're now fourth in pass rate over expected. Um, and in recent games, they have been 21, 23, and 12% over expected with their pass rate. So lots of passing going on. You would think that eventually, eventually the touchdowns would come. I don't know how how you can measure though Tom Brady's uh, complete alienation from his teammates. I'm not sure how we factor that into the analytics here. I mean, you either see Tom Brady screaming at his team on the sideline or sitting by himself saying nothing to anyone. So I think that that that's probably a deeper problem than we can get into. Pat, take notes that maybe you and your family soon. <laughs> uh, Tom Brady doesn't have a three touchdown game. It's gonna be. I need to have one one player to be concerned about for each kid. By the way, so I had DJ Moore, DeAndre Swift, Tom Brady. I need to think of a fourth. Here, so. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you can think of someone. Fourth potential player to bankrupt all I hold near uh, and love. And also the 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 uh, Bucks, especially recently over the past month, have like a a good number of of red zone uh, possessions per game. Like they they're they're driving into scoring position. It's just not happening. So perhaps variance finally kicks in here and we get we get some, as the kids are saying, tutties. <laughs> as we we get some some tutters, some tutties, whatever you want to call them. Whatever horrible, horrible name you want to refer to scoring six points as now, <laughs> we want them. Kyle, can we care about Julio Jones, who he frankly, I thought by the eye test, looked like he could spike a week when he came back last week. Like looked like he had some life in those legs, but he also Checked out of the game several times. We can never count on him to really stay healthy. Is there, is there anything here going forward down the stretch in fantasy? Yeah, I mean, it was his first game back, I believe, and he only ran around on 56% of the team's dropbacks. We expect that to rise, but given his, like, 
this is never Julio has never not looked good. It's that half the times you're looking for him, he is not present. And that's the issue. Because when he started the year, he was pretty strong in yards per route run. They were scheming up carries. I think if we ever get a healthy Julio, you probably want to be playing that player. This Bucks team, even if they're even if you know, I I, I don't have kids, which is a good thing, because they'd also be praying for touchdowns <laughs> from Tom Brady. Uh maybe that never comes, right? But they are at least passing, as Denny said, at one of the highest rates over expected in the league, especially since they got Evans and Godwin back. So I'd be I definitely want to have him stashed. But coming off a game where he ran around on just over half the dropbacks, that's not really enough. He needs to separate himself from Scotty Miller or whoever they're going to use behind him before I want to play a true part-time player. But I, I'd like to be holding him for the maybe day that we get 80% routes or something of that nature. Kyle, if you ever decide to have children, whenever it is, I can guarantee Tom Brady will still be playing and you might be in the position <laughs> to be praying for touchdowns from him. So <laughs> you too can go through what I'm going through. Crane, I asked you to, to explain the strange goings on in the Rams' past catcher core. You asked me what that meant, and I, I did. Didn't I really, slacked you up some love. Yeah. Uh, you know, I said Allen Robinson kind of coming on, Tyler, Tyler Higby really falling off, Van Jefferson making his debut in Week Eight and then not getting targeted. Is any is, is, what if anything is going on behind Cooper Cup, banged up with an ankle injury after he was running routes down thirty-one fourteen with a minute left in the game. Yeah, you mentioned Van Jefferson not targeted. He had a route on 64% of dropbacks, so he was out there a lot. Um, I think, one, not a great sign for Van Jefferson. Two, interesting that it didn't have an impact on Robinson, not just in terms of the targets, but Robinson was out there running a route on 89% of dropbacks. That was actually up from route rates over the last couple of weeks of 86% and 85%. So Jefferson not impacting Robinson's playing time at all. That's nice. However... Robinson had a 13% target rate, gross, 0.84 yards per route run. Terrible. So, yeah, he's going to be out there for all the routes, but, I mean, he's still not doing anything. Now, you look at Tyler Higby. You mentioned him falling off. He was out with a neck injury that cost him some snaps, but I believe – Yeah, it was a stinger. Okay. So, he was targeted on – he was targeted six times. He produced just 15 yards, so that's obviously terrible, but – those six targets came with him running a route rate of just just 42%. So he was targeted on 40% of his routes. Uh, I think there's really no question about this. He is the number two option in this passing game. He is very firmly ahead of Allen Robinson in the target pecking order. He is a better receiver play than Robinson. Throw, it, throw out the tight end eligibility part. Like he's just a better play. Now you get to put him in your tight end slot. You know, he's a decent he's a decent play. Uh, I, I don't really see how you're starting Robinson. I mean, I, I have heard that there are, I believe, is it six teams on by this week? So uh, is, you're uh, going to have it's known as Sace. Sace. Yes. Yeah, you're going to have you're going to have some options uh, or lack of options of who to put in. But I still would be very hesitant to put Robinson in my line. Yeah. It's, it's not One, five. It's not five and it's not seven. That's all I know about the vice. <laughs> I'm trying to say one of those Tyler Higby targets, by the way, was a dropped 62-yard touchdown on a third and two in the fourth quarter. We'll uh, do very, that to you. Very, very, very Tyler Higby. Denny, the Rams' backfield, kind of hard to break down because Cam Akers seems to be back in the fold. Daryl Henderson was out-snapped and out-touched heavily by Ronnie Rivers last week, but Daryl Henderson was coming off an illness. Kyron Williams could be making his debut finally this weekend, giving you the impossible task of breaking this down. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm actually pretty upset uh, that uh, <laughs> I have to do this, but uh, nevertheless, we will try. 
Uh, so Cam Akers um, is practicing. He's going to practice on Thursday. Uh, may or may not be active this week. So the, the <laughs> you have five guys in the Rams backfield who may or may not be active. And we don't, we don't know which combination of those five are going to be active. So I think the, the best thing to do is to see who, who's going to play and, and then determine what, you know, how the split could go. Now, last week it was all Ronnie rivers on early downs. It was Malcolm Brown near the goal line. It was Daryl Henderson in passing situations and running the routes. That's ugly. That's really ugly, especially for a team that does not throw the ball, they're among the league leaders in pass rate over expected. Uh, they also have a terrible uh, offensive line, not just pass blocking, but run blocking as well per pro football focuses grades. I, I just, I don't see the, any sort of like silver lining or like, well, if that happens, then this guy could go off. I just don't see it with this, with this group. Um, Ronnie rivers. I don't, I don't really care. I like, I, there's no scenario where I'm starting Ronnie Rivers this week. I guess in PPR, you 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 might you might be okay like with Daryl Henderson if he's out there running all the routes and it's a back and forth or 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 a blowout script again where the Rams have to pass a lot. What I'm saying is I don't know. The Bucks run defense has taken on a lot of water this year, but it has. there's yeah, just it has. no yeah, there's unless we get like a report like Kyron Williams is gonna be like the every down player. Like I just don't see how you. Which he's not activated yet, right? Not, no, he's not. And we, even if he is, we're not going to get that report. Um, can, can we? So when players are allowed to take their helmets off after that rule change, can they also allow the reporting of these guys are at practice? You have to activate them. They practice. They're designated to return. Put them on the injury report at that point. Why? Yeah, do, why it, is it a mystery box? It's an insane loophole, and um, it will not be. It's going to require like heavy negotiation because coaches will not give back that inch that they were accidentally Awful. given. And I'm fully convinced it was just a loophole. Uh, but yeah, Rams backfield steer clear. Even with six teams on by, steer clear. With Vegas projecting fewer than 40 points, actually, that's no longer correct. It has gone up from 39 and a half to 40 points since I first wrote this. The former AFC Powers New England and Indianapolis meetup in Boston, Patrick Crane. What, if anything, do we need to know about this game? Jonathan Taylor did not practice again on Thursday. Yeah, that's the biggest thing here is that um, we probably aren't getting Jonathan Taylor. Patriots are very vulnerable to the run. Uh, So, you know, Deion Jackson is probably a viable fill in RB2. Normally you'd be thinking, okay, you have a potential three down workhorse here. But the Colts are 31st in EPA uh, per rush. And uh, Deion Jackson's magic when he previously filled in was all about catching passes. I think that's going to be definitely curtailed with Sam Ellinger here. When you look at Ellinger last week, he threw for just 201 yards. Uh, He added 15 rushing yards, so it wasn't very exciting. However, he was decently efficient. He was 16th in EPA per play last week, 8th in completion percentage over expected. He gave a similar performance to Geno Smith last week, to Kirk Cousins last week. So he really like wasn't that bad. Wasn't that great either. But the the bigger issue is how the Colts designed their offense around him. They had a minus seven percent pass rate of expected, eighth lowest of the week. They went very run heavy. We were worried that might happen. They did move away entirely from the quick passing game stuff, which wasn't going to suit Ellinger. But they didn't necessarily have to go super run heavy. They decided to go that path, which is a problem because they can't run the ball at all with Jonathan Taylor banged up. Uh, so. You know, this week, you're, Ellinger's getting a, a Patriots defense that ranks fourth in EPA allowed per drop back, fourth in success rate. 
they actually don't pat they don't pressure the passer very well which is like almost a a bummer for the Colts because like the whole reason they switched to Ellinger is because he can handle pressure and Matt Ryan couldn't. So it's like the, the one thing this quarterback can really do might not really matter here. So it's, it's set up for, I think kind of a, a disappointing and not particularly fan, fantasy relevant day for this offense. You're probably playing Deion Jackson if you picked him up as a fill in starter, but I don't feel good about playing the receivers here. Pittman last week did not leave the field, which was nice because what happened was the Colts, they upped their usage of two running back, two tight end sets uh, from weeks one through seven. They were at 15% combined uh, in, in heavy personnel in those two sets. That jumped up to 26% last week, uh, which meant more two wide receiver sets, less three wide receiver sets. Pittman got to stay out there the whole time, but Paris Campbell and Alec Pierce were basically fighting each other for routes cannibalizing each other's production both those guys i think have to be on benches this week but the issue for Pittman is that when pierce was on the field they're looking for him he matched Pittman in first read targets he ran eight fewer routes so they're looking for him at a high rate they're calling plays designed to get pierce the ball at a high rate Pittman's going to run the most routes but he feels like a flex option to me and not even a great one uh, on the other side, uh, the Colts' pass defense is is really bad. They rank 27th in dropback success rate. They don't get to the quarterback 25th in quick pressure rate. So while this is like a really gross setup for the Colts, it's kind of interesting for the Patriots. Maybe they're slightly pass first this week or at least balanced. Uh, that's a nice setup for Jacoby Myers, still very clearly the number one option here. He has a 26% target share, 33% air yard share. So I think he's very playable. Uh, and then Ramondre Stevenson, Unfortunately, down to 62% of the snaps last week. Still had over 20 expected points, though. So not like super concerned about him, but I think we have to think about him more in terms of where he was from weeks like two to four before Harris missed. So we have four games where Stevenson's now played 55, between 55 and 63% of the snaps, kind of a 1A type to Harris's 1B. In those games, he has 15.1 expected points per game. Uh, which is solid. You know, it's kind of like a high-end RB2, I think. He's also been very good this year. He's running back 7 in yards per out run, running back 12 in elusive rating, running back 13 in breakaway yards per game. So talented back, good but not great workload, kind of a high-end RB2, I think. Teams just insist on making their backfields less effective with committees. It's really, really quite something. It is something. Um, Anybody have any Tyquan Thornton love before we move on to the next game? It's not out there enough. I mean, I, I know Parker's hurt, so maybe that's not that, getting targeted at a high rate at all either. Yeah. But when he does, he scores. <laughs> yes. So definitely yeah. think on that. I think that was like three weeks ago too. <laughs> uh, so or whatever. No type on Thornton Love. I thought this was America. Um, the Minnesota Vikings and Washington Commanders are at least trying to keep things interesting as Daniel Snyder threatens us with a good time in retirement. The Vikings have traded for TJ Hawkins and Patrick Crane. I'll begin with the obvious question. What effect will Hawkinson's addition have on the Vikings uh, targets delineation, if any? Will he mo- mostly just absorb Irv Smith's modest lost targets, or is this going to be a bigger role? Well, I mean, like long-term, I think there's a chance he has a bigger role. Uh, they traded for him. He's on his fifth-year option next year. He's making over $9 million. Uh, and then presumably they'll want to extend him. So they're going to be paying this guy some money. It'd be kind of weird if he just had Smith's old role like long-term, but it's, I, I don't know. I like how quickly can a tight end ramp up? I 
I do not. Oh, what? He's just have... catching passes. No, no, no. He's Unlike a running rocking. back, they're all this machines. one's really difficult. This one is really right. difficult. This is not like a running back. This is like a real position, right, Pat? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. No, exactly. <laughs> no, but I actually do think there's something to that idea. I'm like, it's tight end. I think one of the hardest positions, you know, obviously quarterback is going to be the hardest position, but, you know, you're being asked to to block defensive ends and linebackers, and then you're being asked to run routes like a wide receiver. It's a pretty difficult position. You have to have, I would assume, total mastery of the playbook to, to play it well. So, I, you know, you have to think he's going to be in a more limited role than he'll eventually be. You also have to consider the fact that Irv Smith only has – 58% route participation this season. So like the role that he could be growing into might be smaller than the role he had in Detroit. And, you know, certainly I wouldn't expect him to just get like shoved into a massive role right away. So I think right now, like if you're still thinking about playing Adam Thielen, go ahead and do it. Cause I, I a little bit bearish on how much work Hawkinson gets in his first game, just given the split that Irv Smith was already in with Johnny Munn. I, I think over the next few weeks, Hawkinson's probably going to get like, a Noah Fant, Gerald Everett type of route rate, you know, he's like he's out there for like more than half the routes, but but less than seventy or something like that. So uh, Johnny Munt is going to be like maybe a Will Disley to to uh, Hawkinson's Noah Fant. Absolutely love for my team to trade for TJ Hawkinson and then have to extend him. This is really something I want my football seem team ideal. to be doing. Not ideal. Uh, let's do, let's have the Chase Claypool debate here real quick with regards to Adam Thielen. Adam Thielen only has two touchdowns so far this year, so has not been living up to like his like his role we expect is like a touchdown dunker in the red zone. Do we think TJ Hawkins can maybe actually make life easier for Adam Thielen, or will we don't like the the increased robustness of the target competition? You know, Father Time is the only one capable of making life easier for Adam Thielen. And as I have checked, it is not 2019. So Adam Thielen. I mean, Adam Thielen just he's he's 32 years old. He's got his worst yards per outrun, his worst. All of his worst years of his life are yeah, like ahead of him. Every efficiency metric says he's falling off the cliff. So that's that's why I'm actually a little optimistic <laughs> for Hawkinson. Worst years of his life. 32, <laughs> you're done. done. I mean, this is how it is. I got a few more in me then. I'm all right. Kyle, Kyle's the only one who's already not on the downward slope on this show. Yeah, your guys' yards per route run is garbage. I'm looking it at all your guys' stats garbage. and it's not good. That's yeah. the only reason I have optimism for TJ Hawkinson long term, though, is like he maybe they just view him as sort of a second receiver because Adam Thielen, Adam Thielen should be the tight end on this team and he should be the Johnny Munt of this team, not even the, the Herb Smith. Wow. Yikes. Guys, sorry. we're all, we're all, didn't you have something to say? I said, sorry, Adam, if you're listening. We're all trying to find the guy who deleted the commander's prompts for this game. Um, we, have, <laughs> we have no set topics. So this is a Washington commander. Well, I pulled up track changes as an interesting feature on Google Docs. I don't see any uh, deletion there. Track changes actually it famously doesn't work a lot, actually. Yeah. So we forgot, by we, I mean me, forgot any Washington commander's prompts for this game. So it's just kind of an open forum. Talk about the Washington Commanders if anyone wants to. Uh, T- Terry McLaurin's eighth in receiving yardage since Ter- Taylor Heineke took over quarterback. I feel like probably not a great sign for your offense when your number two quarterback instantly makes your number one receiver more productive, but also very, very good for fantasy managers. He's an air yards monster, Terry McLaurin, <laughs> over the past two two weeks, which is good. I don't know. Didn't he also seem almost the game single-handedly. You almost have a funeral tone, Denny, as you were talking about Terry McLaurin. I mean, I'm, I'm trying. I'm, I'm I'm looking up numbers as we as we speak. So, yeah, I I mean, uh, he's definitely like like, like Heineke is definitely an upgrade for McLaurin, mm-hmm. a downgrade for Curtis Samuel. 
Logan Thomas is simply not a thing for fantasy. Figment of imagination. Yeah, comes to mind. I mean he he split they split the routes three ways between the tight ends last week, and and uh, Ron Rivera spent last couple of days talking about talking up Armani Rogers, who is a person, who is a real player. Um, Interesting. Plays, Cole uh, Turner's tight, already been canceled. Tight end. He, he I don't know if he played last week. He was uh, he got in a limited practice to start the week, but it's it's a tight end mess. Jamie McKissick back to back DNPs. Uh, looks oh. not. It looks like he won't be. I mean, you know, back to back DMPs is a pretty bad sign. That's all I'm going on. But we saw it last week. It looked like Antonio Gibson had maybe flipped into the passing game role. I'm guessing we would find out later that it's because of the injury. Man. But, you know, it doesn't matter how it happened as much as we know Antonio Gibson will get that passing game role if McKissick doesn't play. That's modestly interesting because he's also. I think that's highly relevant. Yeah. Yeah. He's also splitting work with, with uh, Brian Robinson as a runner, and he looks more effective every time he touches the ball. So if you're getting like, it could be like a Ramondre Stevenson light level workload. Which is a good workload. Robinson was also down to a 25% snap share last week, which is actually his lowest of the season, even lower than the 28% he debuted with. So they may be like reconsidering this whole Brian Robinson thing because Brian Robinson has been really, really bad. Like in every rushing metric, every receiving metric, there is no signs of hope here in terms of what Brian Robinson has done so far. Like it just is not, it's just been straight up bad. And Gibson has been so good that you'd have to think. Now, like the fact that JD McKissick was playing a lot last week uh, over Gibson is just a reminder that this coaching staff does not want it to be Gibson, but it, it should be. Yeah. Um, it's a 40% target share for the Washington running backs combined uh, last week against the Colts. So um, if all of that goes to Gibson, I'm, I'm saying that that's a good thing. That's a positive development for our guy, Antonio Gibson. Karina, I thought you were saying it was a reminder that this coaching staff is – not good at all. You know, this is like one of those things. And I feel like if you're if you're in the takes business, this is one of those type of takes that you should never make that, that what I'm about to do right now, because it's I don't Let's think this is a good coaching staff, but I think it's an OK coaching staff. And I feel I like what you think is that like Scott Turner is probably an OK. Yeah, that's what Scott I, Turner does some I think. Good stuff. I think he does some good stuff. They When they go run heavy, they still are like fairly balanced on first down. They use motion. Like, they do some interesting things. He's had Taylor Heineke as his quarterback for most of two seasons now. Like, you know. So, I, I have, true. Like a little defense. I feel like the way yeah. – yeah, I don't know why I'm cutting you off. Sorry about that. Like, like the macro decisions strike me as really, really poor all the time. When they commit to, like, some macro direction, Scott Turner then does a good job with, like, the micro decisions. That's right. Yeah. The, the micro the macro, decisions look pretty good to me. Yeah. I actually do agree with that. And Scott Turner – um, who got the job because he was a Norval Turner's son, will continue to remain an offensive coordinator after this commander staff is inevitably um, fired. So he will be still calling plays. <laughs> well, that's, look, this is DNA. Okay. You're, you're, you're yeah. arguing against the strength of. Well, uh, in this, uh, in yeah. this case, I mean, you know, I'm not saying nepotism's good, but it worked this way. <laughs> well, wait, <laughs> wait till Jeff, Jeff Bezos, son is calling the plays in two years. <laughs> oh boy. Um, it's gonna be quite something. Does he Coming have kids? Does he have sons? I don't think he does. He doesn't seem like one of those people that ever have kids. Like, yeah, he does, I doubt he has kids. That's not that wasn't I, I got like anxiety like dealing with like the generation of like the next Bezos is in my life. Now he didn't that wasn't optimizing. So he didn't have a kid. Uh it wasn't optimization. Okay, got it. So Coming off two of the worst performances by any team all season, the Raiders and Jaguars meet up in something called TIAA Bank Stadium with the Raiders catching one and a half points on the road, Kyle. Why should we give one single hoot about this game? 
Josh Jacobs, as I think Crane pointed out last week, we were due for some regression. We got it in spades. We got all three we or four are. weeks. Worth I don't know if you can call that regression yeah. so much as the end of everything good in this life. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if it was that bad. I mean, it was bad, but Josh Jacobs scoring touchdowns isn't all that matters. Although it sounds like it might be one of the few things keeping roofs over the houses of your children. No, thankfully, no Josh Jacobs exposure. Uh, well, Josh Jacobs not- was the equivalent of him turning 32 last year. <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking you would have won a Josh Jacobs exposure. He had like 500 yards in the past three games before last week. And last week, the usage was still awesome. 100% of the running back carries plus four targets. Amir Abdullah popped up for five targets, but three of those came from Jared Sidham. Four of them came in the fourth quarter. That tells you what you need to know about that usage. So We need to get the words Jared and Stidham edited out of this podcast, by the way. Mm, they feel highly relevant, sir. <laughs> we, may, we may not have seen the last of him if the Raiders do this one oh, again. Boy. I don't. Oh, this doesn't no. look like one of those games, but they've had some, uh, some dumpsters this year. So I, I still think we're in for three downs of Josh Jacobs, and it's a game where it actually has a high total and they're favored. So it, I mean, nothing can be as bad as last week, but it looks like not only that, but actually a good spot. Hunter Renfro, 10% target share, 63% of the snaps since returning. Last week, he still continued to not play the full suite of downs. But to be fair, it is mostly Matt Collins getting in for passing downs. He's still running plenty of routes, but when he's on the field, he just doesn't earn targets. So I'm not too concerned with the snaps as much as just his poor target share, his poor air yard share, which is also 10%. Cause he doesn't move the ball downfield. So if we get Darren Waller back, that'd even be more of a reason to not play any of the non-Devontae Adams receivers, even if we don't. Like I'd honestly just rather play Matt Collins and hope for a big play because you're not getting that from Renfro. Man, oh man. Why? How was the only reason, the only thing that got Josh McDaniels away from Bill Belichick was sparking Matt Collins' career? I, I still don't understand why this was the goal and why this is, this is clearly the only reason he took the Raiders' job so he could sign Matt Collins and revive his career. I mean, and then not pick up Josh Jacobs' fifth year option right. and ride him the whole yeah. season. You, you, you joke, but uh, this whole Raiders staff talked about Matt Collins like he was their number one receiver in the summer like they were like they i don't know about Devonte, but I, this guy mac, this guy mac we like Devonte's ability to draw coverage from mac hollins which, yeah. is the end, which is the end game at the end of the universe when it's slowly dying of a, of a heat death you'll we'll see mac hollins trotting into the end zone we love our heat death don't we folks we love it. It's one of the only things we have left coming for us. Other side of the ball, Travis, <laughs> Travis Etienne. Oh, my God. Points. I forgot we had to talk about the Jaguars. Uh, I mean, Etienne's cool. Etienne's death going fun. on there for sure. E- yeah, man. Uh, Etienne's fun, though. We do have one reprieve from the Jags being the Jags that they've always been. Travis Etienne, 75% of Jacksonville's carries last week. Also saw six or seven red zone attempts. All four of the rush attempts inside the five. He's doing the three down thing. He's really efficient. We're very pleased with it. The receivers, the pecking order is like tightening. We really have not a strong conviction on Christian Kirk or Zay Jones, probably even less of Zay Jones over Marvin Jones. They've all been bunched together so far. The passing attack has been struggling. So you're probably starting one of them, Christian Kirk. I wouldn't move past that. Evan Ingram, an 18% target share, 19% area share on the year. Tight end's bad. You're ranking him as a tight end one. It feels gross, but get him in there. I picked him up. And I dropped TJ Hawkinson. This is a small league that I'd probably able to get Hawkinson back. But I, I always dropped TJ Hawkinson, picked up Evan Ingram because I think he's a much better starting option this week. Much better. Sure. Yeah. He's unfortunately the cover boy for the – he's the picture choice for the tight end column in the rankings this week, Evan Ingram. So making a stunning debut as the picture choice. He's sixth, right. sixth in tight end routes in the whole league. 
Yeah, I mean, I kind of saw this coming. It's it's pretty much empty garbage volume, but it is consistent hey, empty garbage. Yeah, that's volume. my favorite kind of volume. It is. <laughs> well, I mean, the Travis Etienne stuff. I just want to highlight a little bit just how exciting this is. I mean, we have like a bona fide like Travis Etienne is having the type of season where he could be like the one hundred and two next year in in drafts. Like he's he's having an incredible fantasy season. It's all coming together. He had an eighty percent snap share. Two weeks ago, 79% last week. He's running back two in rush yards over expected per attempt. He's running back three in success rate, running back five in breakaway yards per game. The dude is like, he, he's looking like a superstar. I mean, this is exactly the, the fantasy profile that you want. Uh, it's very, very exciting. He's, you know, got kind of an elite option right now. Well, I, uh, I was told he could not average eight yards per carry in the NFL like he did at Clemson, and he is. That's because that's a really, really sticky stat is yards per carry from college to the NFL. Um, no takers on this joke at all. Um, well, I'm just, you know, I'm still tilted by, by not being going. Are we muted? I, I was, I was muted. I was laughing. Oh. I just went oh. ahead. <laughs> Thank uh, you. And I, by the way, Urban Meyer wanted Travis Etienne to be a third down back. He did. He did. But the NFL decided that Najee Harris was better, which still tilts me. Wow. Is quite quite tilting, um, and it's also tilting that we're out of stuff to talk about. That is the end of our show. Uh, Google, if you're listening, you need to fix the track changes feature because these commander's <laughs> prompts were in there and they're just gone, and no one can find them. I never actually check. You <laughs> might have put the. You might. Have I actually never it. checked either. I'm pretty sure they weren't there. <laughs> I'm pretty, pretty sure I just forgot to do it, and they were not there. So uh, we we had we had some good commanders talk despite ourselves. We we talked commanders. Oh, yeah. Since we talk everything at this website, we talk everything at Road World. Kyle and Pat talk everything in their Friday DFS chat. Denny talks everything in his funnels column. Talk everything in my rankings column. Crane's walkthrough comes out on Friday. Kyle's an article of 32 stats comes out earlier in the week. Check it all out, even with 16s and by a bottomless well of information this week. Um, so, yeah, thanks for reading. Thanks for listening. For Denny Carter, for Patrick Crane, for Kyle Dvorak, I'm Patrick Darty. We will catch you later.